Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Coaches, today before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, CoachPad. Uh, no matter if you draw scout cards by hand or use a program on your computer, CoachPad will give you back time by never stuffing a binder again before heading out to practice. First 13.3-inch electronic device allowing coaches to clearly display scout cards outdoors in the sun has been a game changer for programs this past fall and those currently playing all across the country. This new technology allows coaches to coach and not the monotonous task of stuffing and dealing with binders on the practice field. Check out the CoachPad and CoachPad Mini on thecoachpad.com. Please make sure you check out our sponsors, our affiliates. And here is another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. Today we have Coach Hugh Hood. Uh, he's the offensive line coach at West Ashley High School down there in South Carolina. Coach, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, like I said, it's a little hot from our seven on seven, but it's a good day. Um, before we get kind of get into the thing, we're going to talk some offensive line play, both flex bone and non-flex bone. Um, kind of, I mean, how do you end up as the um, offensive line coach at West Ashley? Well, I came over to West Ashley High School um, in 2017. Um, at previous stops, I was at uh, Ashley Ridge High School, which is local here in the Charleston area for a year. Before that, I spent the better part of the decade at Goose Creek High School as the offensive line coach there. Um, my start was in 2005 at Goose Creek as a B-team JV guy, kind of worked my way up. Um, and then I came over to West Ashley. It's seven minutes from the house. I've got a, a as I told you before we started recording, I got a nine-year-old son and a seven-year-old daughter. And kind of the 30-minute drive to work every day was starting to get a, a grind a little bit. So... Um, I want to be closer, want to be able to pop over to different events at the high school with them and have them at practice and things like that. Uh, coach Marion was was looking at the head coach at the time at West Ashley. A guy named Bobby Marion was looking for a new offensive line coach, and he had known me through guys that he had coached with at Goose Creek or co- coached with at other schools uh, before they uh, went to Goose Creek. And, and so it was an easy connection to make. We'd known each other for a couple of years. And so reached out to him and, and he was very uh, appreciative and, and wanted to bring me on. I was very excited. It's the first time I'd worked in a school uh, where I lived in the community. And that's something that's kind of become very important to me that, that I'm doing the job that I need to be doing at a school where my kids are going to go to school there. I see the kids at you know, the grocery store. I see the kids at the restaurants. I see the kids out in town. And that, that's something that as a young coach, I didn't think I want, but as time went on, it, it's become a very important part of, of my coaching kind of, not necessarily portfolio, but my, my coaching mindset of wanting to be around the kids in the community that I'm coaching with too. Okay. That's good coach. Like I said, I have kind of the same thing where you're in the community, not the community, so forth. Um, kind of, the, I mean, I, 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 
obviously John Puckett kind of, I was like, do you know any, any good flexbone guys? And he, he brought your name up. And then another buddy of mine, Matt Bennett, um, said you were pretty good too. Um, so I kind of reached out to you and I, and I know you guys don't run flexbone anymore. Um, but you know, that's, but that's kind of the eye and the old Nebraska stuff that you've kind of started in. Do you want kind of, I mean, what was that experience like before we kind of get any technique or thoughts on offensive line play with that is, um, thoughts on the flex bone and kind of your experience with it. So we weren't flex bone at all. When I was at, at Goose Creek, um, I got there. Uh, in 2005 as, as a B team and, and JV guy kind of worked my way into a varsity position over, over a couple of years. Um, I had a small stint at a school called Whale Branch where we did run the flex bone in between two different stints at Goose Creek as well. Uh, but when I got there, there's a gentleman by the name of Chuck Reedy, who was a head football coach and AD there. And he was, he coached at Clemson with Danny Ford when they ran the I formation midline inside outside beer uh, and it really kind of shaped how I view coaching and how I view high school football today. Because Chuck said, you keep it simple. If you're physical, you run the football, you're going to win a lot of games. And we did. And so being a young coach, 22, 23 years old, right out of college, that really kind of implanted in my brain about how to win high school football games, particularly uh, in the low country and, and down here in, in Charleston. So uh, that, that's something that stuck with me. I was around a lot of really good high school football coaches, guys that were in the building, guys that were teachers, guys that were committed to the craft um, and had success elsewhere that Chuck kind of brought together. Um, three or four of those guys went on to be head coaches that were on that staff that I was learning from as a young coach. So it was a really important time for me as a young coach to learn from better guys that had been doing it longer guys that had been doing it at a high level uh, and to learn how to work, not just the X's and O's, but how to work and how to relate to the kids. Okay. Now how much, obviously scheme differences take a different part of that, but how, how much of the drills you started there do you still use today? So some of them we still, I still use every day. Um, for instance, the shoot drills and, you know, just get your right foot down quick with the left foot. Um, but even at Goose Creek, as time went on, Buddy or um, Chuck Reedy brought in a guy named Buddy King, who coached offensive line with, with them at Clemson, was at LSU, a couple stops in the NFL. He was there for one year when I was there before he went to, to Somerville High School. And I tell people all the time, as much respect as I have for a lot of coaches I worked for, the one year I spent with Buddy King was like a, a doctorate course on how to coach offensive line. And there's a lot of drills and a lot of terminology that I learned from him that I still continue to use um, to this day. For instance, we work, uh, you know, some people call it a scoop. We call it the cutoff drill. Uh, we work cutoff, hook and cutoff every single day. Uh, work the veer release every single day. And, and the coaching points on a lot of those still come from, um, that time spent with, with Buddy over that one, that one year. Okay. And did you want kind of, like, kind of get more into that before we even get into the flex mode? Like, you want to kind of dive a little bit deeper in what you were able to take from Buddy? Like, if, you, if, if, if that's good to shape your whole kind of outlook on how to approach offensive line, what, what about it? What have you taken? What are you still using? What, what is your focus there? So with Coach Kane, with, with, uh, with Buddy, it was – one, there was no never an excuse coming from the kids, right? It was always there's there's something, some way you can improve, right? Never settle for excuse, never never settle for oh, I just can't do it. Um, 
to the idea, and this was partial buddy, partial Chuck. And this goes back to kind of what I was kind of hitting at before. Buddy didn't believe, and a lot of football coaches, young guys believe that like kids are born certain ways and can't be molded and changed. And if you're a physical kid, you're a physical kid. And we just didn't buy into that. We say we can make you physical. We can make you, uh, you know, bigger, stronger, faster, and all those things. And we can change your mentality to what the group mentality is. And so that's one of the things as far as how I approach looking at certain kids and looking at student athletes, particularly high school football players, just your average high school kid that you're trying to make a football player. That's something that's always stuck in the back of my brain is that you, you can make them more physical. You can make them into a decent high school football player uh, that can help your team and you can help them out too. As far as drill work and things like that, um, one of the things that we started doing in 2015, we weren't as physical as we had been previously. Uh, and this is post buddy here, but this is so in 2015, we weren't nearly as physical as we had been. Uh, the offensive line talent was a little bit, was down just a little bit. Uh, and so we just got under the board and for five minutes every day, we got under the shoot on the boards with the defensive line every day that we were in full pads and just went, just run at each other. Here it comes. Boom. Physical, run your feet, win the block, drive the blocker back. If you're on defense, um, just getting that idea of that contact, the constant contact Because by 2014, 15, um, won the state championship in 11, had an undefeated season in 12. By 14 and 15, kids were starting to kind of rest on their laurels. Like, oh, we just show up and win and this, that. And they just weren't nearly as talented as the 11 and 12 teams were. So we had to kind of, you know, wake them up a little bit and then reteach them on how to be physical and how to be tough and all those things. Okay. Now, when you, when you, I mean, we'll get to today's stuff here in a little bit, but when you were working flexbone, what did a typical flexbone practice look like for you in terms of the, the setup and the drill work for, for like, can you break down like what a typical, I know you don't really have old film because that's God seven years ago, but yeah. what was it kind of like, okay, it's typical practice for you in terms of offensive line, drill work, install, et cetera. Yes. Yeah, so our practices, so we had a lot of indie time. We had a ton of indie time. Um, and, and that was, uh, by design one, and we would break up into pods and do different things. But um, so for instance, we get the practice schedule from, from coach Reedy and it would be, uh, you know, we'd have quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers would have like 15 minutes of Indy. And then eventually they're going into what we call play polish, what other people would call like your mesh drill or whatever. Um, quarterbacks, um, fullbacks, running backs, they go into that receivers would go, would go a few minutes later doing routes on air with the quarterback. So that was like a 30 minute period. Well, we've got Indy during that whole time. Okay. So our Indy drills start, we do the board drills with resistance when we're in pads. Um, and we always told them, you know, it's, it's an offensive drill, right? So you got the older kids are, you know, trying to kind of screw over the young kids a lot. Well, no, let them experience a little, you know, get a little off and run their feet on the shoot. We go right foot, left foot, reach right, reach left, um, underneath the chute every day. Uh, we do veer release every day, and then we would go into hook and cutoff. And that would be the first probably like the real indie period, the first 15 minutes, right? And then from there, it just depends on what our daily emphasis would be. Um, at this point, it should also be pointed out that we had them in fourth block. We had them in a fourth period class altogether. And when I say 
we had them all. We had them all, right? Unless you were like one of the two or three top flight, like AP kids that had to take a certain class during that fourth block, you were in that fourth block weightlifting. I mean, every single one of them was in there. So as far as meeting and walkthroughs and installs and all that, that was all done in class. Um, we, we would split, meet, and lift, um, offense, defense, and we had a 90-minute block. So that really was advantageous to um, being able to get out there and then work your drills, right? Uh, and then from there, you know, we depending on the day, we would work, um, you know, double teams under the chute, or we'd work our two-man, we call two-man slips uh, or slip train uh, under the chute as well where you're just working who's getting head across, who's throwing the backside triangle, things like that. Um, work our down blocks. Uh, like on a Monday, it might be double teams and two-man slips. Tuesday might be down blocks, uh, you know, and veer releasing. And then Wednesdays when we're just in shoulder pads. Uh, and this is something I got from Buddy as well. Wednesday – so Wednesday was a lot shorter practice with Coach Reed when we were at Goose Creek. Practice was real short. You're talking maybe an hour and 20 minutes, maybe an hour and a half. And even when we got into playoffs, it started to trim down further from there. So we'd have 15 minutes, and then we would be 15 minutes, we'd be in team. So we would do all of our pass set stuff only on Wednesdays. Um, and that was something that we did because when we throw the post or your play action stuff, we never drop back pass as far as like five steps or anything like that. We would our drop back game was all always three steps, but our play action pass game uh, required the backside to to get a set and kick slide and all that. And so we worked all those different, different styles of sets on Wednesdays for about 15 minutes. So they got, they didn't get it throughout the week, but that 15 minutes of, of hitting it real hard um, after having already done it all throughout the summer uh, really kind of just made them kind of muscle memory back to, to what they would need to do that one or two times when that play was getting called during the game. And it was one of those things when we called it, we had to protect it because we knew if we got it off, it was going for six. And then that's kind of the, the nature of the, the option game. When you get that play action pass called, you know, that thing's going. <laughs> yeah. It, it should be a touchdown. It, yeah. It, you get it off. You're in real good shape. You, you know, it's going. Me and, me and one of my other coaches was watching uh, the army Navy game the other day, just because I was prepping for a couple of these and we were just talking because he had used, he coached the triple back in the late nineties, early two thousands. And, um, and we're watching it, and I think Army called something, and they ever he ever threw his receiver. Army or Navy did I can't remember which one as a post route, but it, it, it like he was so open it wasn't even funny. Like it just yeah. like oh no, you know what was was he underthrew it a little bit, so he caught it, so he had to slow down to catch it. If you oh. hit him in, if you hit him in stride, <laughs> it was six. That's what it was. We so. used to tell the kid, the quarterbacks used to get told. Our quarterback coach, a guy named Scott Durham, was real, real good coach. He's a, he's a head coach at a school called Andrews down here um, in the, right near the Myrtle Beach area uh, now. But he, uh, he used to tell the quarterbacks, don't even look at it, just throw it at the post. Like throw it at the goal post, put some air on it, get it up there, let him go get it. You know, you don't have to see it. If it's called, it's because it's open. Like, yeah. you know, so it's one of those things, like I so you, you protect it and you get that thing up there. Just let that guy run underneath it and you're good to go, man. Um, before we move on to some more stuff, like you mentioned the shortened Wednesdays there for only an hour, hour and a half. Why were the – what was the – do you know what the philosophy behind that was or why or – It was to give them the legs back. Okay. It was to give them the legs back. And, and yeah, I think we – and that by that point – so, like I said, I got there in 2005 um, – we went, we were seven and four, just missed the playoffs. And then from there on, 
we were second round or deeper uh, every year. The first region championship, uh, the first non-shared region championship in school history was 2008. Uh, and then 2009, we lost it. And then 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15, we won it consecutively, um, won the region title. And so we were going to, you know, the lower state, which here is the semifinals, you know, every year, every other year. So we were making deep playoff runs. And especially, so, you know, the, the start of the season might start off at two hours. But as we start to pair it off, as we get further and further in the season and make sure they have their legs, um, we started to kind of, and, you know, we were running an offense that the kids had been running since they were in seventh grade. We didn't have the big youth programs. I know a lot of schools in the North have and, and uh, some that are developed. We're starting to develop them here in Charleston. Um, it's starting to happen now, but um, we just didn't have that. Sorry, but our kids were running this offense in middle school football all the way up to their senior year. And by the time we got to 12, 13, 14, 15, we were, those kids had been doing it for the senior class had been doing it for five, six years. And so they knew the offense, same thing with the defense, defensive coordinator that was the DC all the way through um, when I left in 2015 or that year, 2015, he became the head coach uh, and then eventually moved on. But he was the DC from 2006 all the way through that run. So the system was in place and it wasn't changing. That's the other thing. The language wasn't changing. What we were doing wasn't changing. We were committed to it. Um, our wide receiver coach used to uh, comment. He said, you know, the, you talk about people that are trying to put the option play in, right? He'd tell you, he goes, he said, the option is not a play. It's, a, it's an offensive system. You can't just put the option in. You, you got to be committed to it. And when we were at Goose Creek, we were full-blown, 100% committed to it, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grade for the better part of a decade and a half. So now, obviously, I mean, flex bone out of the eye doesn't really matter. But from a triple perspective, where were what was your guys' always starting point? Like, at, at, I think every system has a starting point. Someone mm -hmm. made that. Like, I'll I'll use the the wing T as an example because I had the most experience. That I only coached in the option true option one year. Like, there's some years you're extremely buck heavy. Whereas other mm -hmm. years you, you're more belly or jet heavy, like it just depends on who you got yeah. in here. For, over over those course of those years, what was your guys' primary and what was your kind of install process like in order? So we always started like you're talking about option game. We always started with the inside beer, um, and that was because Coach Reed and our quarterback coach, and they're they're correct in this is that it requires the most amount of footwork from the quarterback. So that's where they always wanted to start that with. Um, you know, in midlines, you're stepping off, it's hitting quick, it's easy, right? As far yeah. as your footwork. It, outside beer, you're coming down the line, right? One, two, three, your decision's already made by the time you get there. Inside beer, though, you got to step, you got a longer ride, right? The ride's a whole lot longer than midline. There's virtually no ride on outside beer because, like I said, it's already made, decision made when you get there. You got to kick off to get around the hump. So there's a lot of different things the quarterback has to do. Uh, and then we would pair it with uh, like our blocking scheme for inside beer was in some way similar to blocking for like the ISO, except we're going to block the five instead of beer release them and all those types yeah. of things. So like on install days, we would pair it like with that. And then we always talked about how uh, or Coach Reed always made this point. This also stuck with me as well. We talk about the outside beer. 
you can't defend the sweep and the outside beer at the same time. So we always kind of paired outside beer with sweep. You know, when we want to go too tight, we'd run the sweep and the outside beer. We go, you know, twins over, run sweep and outside beer. And you always kind of paired what the things that complement each other, you try to pair those things kind of together. Fullback ISO was on the same day as inside beer, that type of stuff. Okay. I'm going to make a little note of that. Can't stop sweep and outside <laughs> beer. Look, I, the outside beer to me to this day, and I've now at this point I've coached in enough different styles, the spread, the spread option, the spread counter I, I, option, all that stuff. Outside beer from two tight ends or twins over is still, the, to me, the most dangerous play in high school football. It, it's We used to – the comment I always used to make was if we're – if we get tackled, if we mess up the outside beer, if that thing gets tackled for a one-yard gain or you know a two-yard gain, let's run it again to make sure we didn't block it wrong. Because you could you could mess up the read, block it wrong, and you're still going to get three yards. And so we always said, if it got stuff, let's make sure we didn't make the mistake and run it again. So uh, I, I just like I said, I love the outside beer. It's it's my favorite play in, in high school football. It's so hard for high school kids to play it, man. Now you mentioned blocking there. How much when you were installing or as you progressed, did you hit? I mean, obviously it's all rules based anyways, but how much did you how many different fronts did you try to show? Because I mean, that's the thing about the option in the and, and the wing T is people people that are really average the below average are just gonna throw a bunch of gross random fronts at you. Yes. Just junk. The, the really good teams are gonna be in their stuff, they're gonna be good, whatever. But the the, the undisciplined teams, like, am I gonna get six two this week, a seven one? What Whatever bastard, I'm gonna run backers through your a gap, like they're yeah. just gonna send the house and all that. So, you kind of know, like you, like you were saying before, you know who your undisciplined teams are, you know who your teams that you know the teams that, that were able to kind of handle us and give us problems down here were your more disciplined teams, were your teams that would line up, play, squeeze, scrape, and things like that. So, obviously, throughout the week, you want to focus on what you see on film. Uh, if you know someone, is, if you know you know, coaching staff or, or team is, is undisciplined and how they're going to line up to it because you played them before you might go back to see what they did the year before. Right. That type of thing. Even if they're in a different defense now than what they were last year. Right. You always check that. Um, but we would try to mix it now with the line. Uh, we would try to mix it up when we got into where we were doing the option period, we do a little half line option. We'll throw a couple of different looks at them just to make sure they're following the rules and things like that. So we tried every day to get, um, and this was when I came back to Goose Creek in 2012. We, we got Coach Reed to give us a full 10-minute half-line option period, um, which was great. It was like bang, bang, here it is. You had two sets of quarterbacks, two sets of backs. You had two centers in the right side, left side, and it's just we're hitting 30 – we're hitting outside beer here. We're hitting outside beer on the right side, left side get the tight ends out of there, inside beer, inside beer. And even if the, the if that particular option wasn't in that game plan that week, you know, if we're not wanting to run, you know, midline to the zero or, or something like that, we'll still make sure we work it just to get the reps in because um, you don't want to lose those things, you know, as you go from week to week. Now, I want to go back to the outside beer for a second because you obviously mentioned that's your favorite. Like, and obviously each – block and that's an individual block that you have to teach but what was your process with your offensive line for installing and working and developing the the outside of your play so it depends on what your front is so we there, there are a couple of things so 
But if you're getting a, just a base even front where you've got a three and, a, you know, you got a six technique on the other side, head at the tight end, so you're getting a three and six, you can double. We always try to get underneath the six, right? You can double the, the three. You can get underneath the six to the linebacker. Uh, if you cross your face, you wash him. If you've got a tight end that you feel like is better than their, their end, um, which one year we did have this in 15, we had a kid um, that a tight end that when they, we had a team that lined up in a seven. And it, so knowing they were trying to take the outside beer away from us, the best play. Well, he was good enough to wash the seven down. And we told the, the quarterback, you get outside the tight end clean, even though that's the wrong read, just hand that thing off, man. Just hand it off. Let him have it. You get outside of it. Boom. He's good to go. Fullbacks running. Now you're trying to, they're trying to tackle a, you know, 250 pound full, fullback running full speed. Yeah. You know, down at you good luck with that um and so the other the flip side of that is you can also g the guard too and that was the real game changer for us and that's something that, that coach king had brought with them um was, was g and the guard on outside beer and so we would down block the three with the tackle and pull the guard around for the play side or for the, the quarterback player um, and that really freed things up quite a bit uh, and we did the same thing on inside beer if the guard was uncovered. We would pull the guard on inside beer as well. Um, so, like, if you're getting a, your classic off front, you know, your 3-4, you're getting a zero and a four technique, we're still trying to inside beer or inside release on the four. We always want to – some team, like, that's the difference between the eye formation and flex stone. That's, that's a big difference there. Your, your flex stone teams with a head up four, they're going to loop that thing, yeah. right? Well, we were always – on the mindset of let's protect the mesh, protect the mesh. So we would try to inside release. If it became a wash, we'd pull it and pitch it and be out there. Um, if that nine technique or that outside linebacker, whatever you want to call him, goes running a quarterback, well, we've G'd the guard around against the old, uh, the 50 front, the old classic three, four. We're G'ing the guard around for that scraping uh, uh, linebacker. Now the, the guard's out and running. Uh, and it's a simple drop and crossover step, keeping everything squared up and all that with the, uh, with the guard pulling that thing. The key to that whole concept though, uh, and the rule is very simple. If you can't cut off a front side shade as a center, you can't play center. That guy had to be our best guy. Um, and, and we were, we were blessed enough to have a few guys that, that could do it over, over the years um, with just a ton of repetition, just getting a lot of reps at it and really working at it, focusing on it. Um, and so that was the G and the guard really helped like against those discipline teams that are going to squeeze and scrape you. Well, now you're squeezing and scraping. Well, we're pulling somebody for your scraper. So now you don't, you don't have the fullback, the quarterback and the, the pitch player. We were taking the quarterback player away. Okay. Well, that's, that's a nice little note coach. A little nugget there. Now, I, I, I think we kind of have hit on most of that. What is your what is the transition from that to where you are now? Because obviously, you guys are not uh, a flex zone or I or any of that anymore. Right. And you've kind of transitioned from a couple offenses since you've kind of moved on from that. Where are you? Well, let's start from where did you go to where are you now? So I spent a year kind of in transition between Goose Creek and West Ashley at, uh, at Ashley Ridge High School, which at the time we were a, was a full spread zone team. And I was excited about that idea. Like, let's, you know, it's time for me to, you know, go learn a new, new trick. Right. Um, and I, you know, guys that like that stuff, I don't, 
you know, disparage them, uh, but it, it just wasn't for me. Uh, and so when I came to West Ashley, we were very multiple. Uh, it was a lot of counter, uh, a lot of, um, you know, bringing the tackle and guard over, leaving enough side. Like it was a lot of kind of unbalanced formations. We still got under center and ran some option as well. Um, midline, inside, outside beer, but it was more kind of dabbling with it. Uh, and then again, like I said, a lot of get them, you know, get everybody over here and run counter back to the nub side with tackle and tight end over. Uh, and then, you know, Coach Marion ends up, uh, you know, being reassigned at the end of the, the in middle of the, the summer of 2019, that guy that came to work for it at West Ashley uh, and the defensive coordinator at the time takes so took over as the interim head coach. Um, and that ended up not working out. And we went coach Kiefer, uh, Donnie Kiefer, who won a large number of games, in North Carolina was coming off two back-to-back um, state championship run at, uh, at Green Sea Floyd's, which is a school up in uh, the Myrtle beach area. I uh, got hired at West Ashley and he, he was, he's a big counter guy. So we, we ran the counter a lot. Um, and so, and to me, honestly, having this conversation with him about it, we, we've talked about it quite a bit. It's the closest thing to outside beer that you can get because you're just walling the whole thing off and then pulling and kicking. And I, I much prefer with a high school football player, uh, I much prefer a gap scheme to a zone scheme. I, I just think the zone is something, you know, if you got kids that are running it from five, six years old, that's fine. But I think the zone is something that requires a, a level of athleticism that your average high school football player just doesn't have as far as linemen go. And yeah. we, we've got some, some tough kids. We've got some kids that are willing to be physical um, up front. But as far as, you know, that type of athleticism, we do, we've had a couple, but not enough to fill all five holes. So we've been real lucky to get into – to be able to run counter and to be able uh, to – you know, you run the jet and you – you know, quarterback option and all that type of stuff too off of it. Um, and it's worked out pretty, pretty well for us the last uh, two years since coach keepers took over. Now I'm going to kind of rearrange my questions here just because I answered that. So you mentioned walling off. How do you, I mean, obviously walling off is code four. We're just going to down block. Everybody is the really simplified short version. How do you approach teaching down blocks to high school kids? I think Obviously I think it's one of the easier blocks to teach, but everybody has their own little twist on it. How do you approach teaching a kid how to down block? I want to, so I tell them two things or three things. I tell them, make sure you snap your head. That's something I talk about on, and that's, that's a term that we use on down block. That's a term that I used to use on the, the backside scoop block as well. Uh, you got to make sure you snap your head. If your head doesn't, if you're going to block something, your head doesn't move, you were in trouble. Okay. You got to get that head down in front. I want the hand in the belly and then the, the front side hand on that hip. So you've got control as you run your feet. Uh, the steps got to be real flat. Uh, I'm coaching if, if they're real, if they're playing it fairly loose and kind of in a normal uh, distance via the neck, if they're real tight, I teach them to go right for the, the belt buckle right now. Make sure you get that thing all the way across. Now, uh, also with that is, I mean, you mentioned, obviously, you've made that transition from, okay, we're, we're running flex bone, we're running these drills, we're running triple, we're running these drills. Okay, now we're dabbling in a little zone. And then you're, okay, now we're back to being extremely gap sound, gap, gap scheme sound, and really counter heavy. Where are your drills at now compared to where they were used to be? What, what, is, what has been the biggest changes? What do you kind of focus on from daily basis that's different from what you used to focus on? 
So I do a lot more. Obviously, you're not doing the veer block. You're not doing the the individual, you know, backside cutoff and all that stuff um, at, at nearly as much. So that stuff's not into play. We're doing a lot more, obviously, folks on the double team. Um, I'll make sure we do a cloudy and clear drill on the on the wrap um, as far as wrapping the backside tackle. Uh, you know, and that's a real simple drill. I just take a board. I put two cones on the end, put a guy in the middle. Usually it's a center. Center doesn't have to do the drill. So center stand on one cone. He goes in one hole. You go in the other one. Here's the scraping linebacker with the bag over the top. So we do that every day when we're running um, counter. That, that's something we did every day or do every day and it gets us a little bit better at it. Um, more, like I said, more double teams. Obviously, you're working that kickout block, which we were working the kickout because we were run. Uh, we weren't running counter tray, but we were running counter with the the uh, guard kick and the fullback leading when we were in the I formation. So that's all stuff that and the blocking schemes the same on the front side as it was. Um, we just didn't emphasize it as much when I was at Goose Creek as I have to do or we do now um, when I'm at West Ashley, just because the schemes are a little bit different. Okay. I mean, that makes sense, Coach. I mean, like, is that – now, also with that change, how has your pass pro evolved? Because, obviously, that's probably the biggest adjustment because, as you kind of mentioned earlier, you're essentially probably 80%, 89% of your passes in an option system are play action. Right. Whereas now it's a little different. Yeah, so the teaching mechanism on the back side as far as how I teach my pass sets um, – that all has remained the same because the backside of your, you know, play action and all that stuff, we're still sliding. We're going to sell on the front side, but we're still going to slide and kick step and, you know, pick up twists and all that stuff on the backside. So now I've just had to apply that to all five across the front. Um, so it didn't really change a whole lot as far as um, how I'm teaching one. Now doing it every day is what's changed. Now we do it when they're in, when the, the skill guys are over there in Skelly, that's when we're working all of our pass sets every day now. Um, even though, you know, right now at West Ash High School, we're not a pass-heavy team. Uh, we haven't been. Um, I don't anticipate us being one, and you know, anytime soon. But we do it. We certainly do it a lot more than what I did. Um, and it's about picking up all the different twists and stunts and and all that, really more than anything. Okay. And the last real question I got for you, because I, I, I actually want to start asking O-line coaches, especially high school O-line coaches, this a little bit more. What is your, like, typical O-line pregame look like? And then why do you do, do what you do? Because I, think, I, think, I don't think that gets talked – I think across the board, that doesn't get talked about. And some people just kind of go through pregame, and especially, especially non-O-line coaches. But I think O-line coaches are a little more poignant on right, it. Right, but 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 again, why do what do you do and why do you do it for, for pregame and how was your kind of ideal length for that? All right. So to me, pregame starts not just with when we get on the field, but it all it starts before then. And, and in the past, like when, this is the difference between the two schools. So when I was at Goose Creek, we had them all fourth block. They'd get their test every day in fourth block. Well, we don't have them all in one period together. We have them all. Well, we do. We have them all in second block. Um, but I, so I'll give them a test. It'll have, you know, eight plays, draw your plays. I'll give them to them during the team meal, grade it. And then anything that we're missing, when we have our, our, our individual meeting before we go out on the field, I'll go over all that stuff. Anything that I'm, I, 
we're just a little off here, just kind of review this, or even if they get certain things right, or I might leave something off the test, knowing I'm going to go over in the, in the meeting. Uh, and then I like to go out, we'll do our dynamic warm up. Um, and then that's usually, we usually get out about 55 minutes for kickoff. So if kickoff is at 7.30, we're usually out at, at about 6.35, 6.40-ish. Um, we do a little, we do our pre, our, our dynamic warm up, um, And then from there, it's, we're going right foot, left foot, reach right, reach left, just going one by one down the line from the front of the end zone to the back. Then the next guy works it back from the back to the front. Um, we'll work some double teams uh, and down blocks uh, before we go into our team period too. No, that's perfect, Coach. Um, coaches, make sure you give Coach Hood a, a follow on Twitter. Um, it's the least you can do. If you, and also, if you want to ask him more questions on kind of what he's doing now or what he did in the past, um, like, share, subscribe, all that lovely jazz. Uh, check out our sponsor, Coach Pad, below. All the links are down there. Um, and then other than that, I mean, that was another episode of Got Down Backer Podcast. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate you for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me.